Hi, and a warm welcome to season five of Fail and Grow with me, Vilma. I'm one of the co-founders to VLUXQ CPQ. Perfectly and very smooth integrated to the rest of your ecosystem, creating quality quotes quickly. Fail and Grow is an after-work podcast niched into operational excellence. And what is that? That is everything that smoothens your sales and your operations to ensure that your revenue increases and, of course, the profits and your margins. And today, I'm thrilled to say that I am someone that I quite recently got to know a bit better, Fredrik Landström at Invice. And what I admire most about this person is that he's so technical skilled Uh, and in this case, about HubSpot. But I'm sure, Fredrik, you are technically about whatever, but and, and also very helpful. So, Fredrik, it's a great pleasure having you as a guest in today's episode of Failing Grow. Pleasure being here. Lovely. Would you mind uh, talking a little bit about yourself and Invice? Because I know that Invice, you have the, the interesting niche of being a marketing, sales and tech agency, a top tier partner globally for HubSpot. That was the bragging part. Now you can tell me what yeah, you actually do. Yeah, that's the bragging do. part. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I can brag for a while as well. So let's Wonderful. see where it goes. Let's so go. So first of all, uh, I'm Frederick, just as you uh, mentioned. I work as a CTO uh, for Invice. We're a Stockholm-based company with around 60 employees at the moment. And I've been here for five and a half years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my background is actually uh, art director back in the days. Uh, and I, you know, got a lot of orders from higher up the hierarchy uh, saying like you need to do this you need to do that and i felt like no i want to be in charge of telling you this is not good or not so i started to be a communications kind of rhetorics uh not specialist i don't guess there there's any education on that but i was interested in that and when i started at, at invice actually we were an, a classic inbound marketing agency uh because that was something new and fresh Uh, back in the days it's it's not today it's more like common sense today but uh, got here um when we were a, a marketing company and i left my role as a cmo for for another swedish company so yeah now i'm here uh, and that's kind of you know my cv and uh, nothing more but uh, you know the more you dig into to hubspot and the more you dig into crm uh, etc you kind of understand that everything is relying on data uh, so mm-hmm. data and my technical interest just guided me towards this position. Exciting. And today we are going to talk about uh, trends within the Nordic uh, regarding digitization. We will see exactly what the topic will be uh, of the episode. But before we jumping into the real stuff, I am very curious about if we were having a face-to-face, not a Zoom meeting as we have at the moment, if we were having a face-to-face and we were enough to work, what would you prefer to drink in your glass? Uh, I am not a fine tasting gentleman. I would just prefer prefer a blend lager. Uh, nothing else. Nothing. Uh, nothing special at all. Well, I kind of like to drink other stuff as well. But for an after work, hundred percent, it's just a regular beer. The cheapest one <laughs> and the, the coldest one. That's I'm happy with that. My fiance says he's trying to to teach me uh, after four years together what kind of beer he likes, and he was like, uh, he brought one yesterday with a. He was like, Wilma, do you see? It? It's a fat guy on it. Just look after the cheapest beer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't have to be expensive to be good, or <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. Well, thank you so much for sharing and moving on to your funniest work-related fuck up. Do you have something funny you want to share with us today? 
what kind of fuck ups haven't I've done? I mean, that, isn't that the work we do to fuck up all the time and realize yes. that we're wrong and then try to adjust it to the next time mm. and just fuck up a bit less? Um, <laughs> so it's all about fuck ups because usually when people come to us, it's not like I, um, you know, open my files and say, well, this is the solution for your problem. Let's just apply that to your um, to whatever you want it's more like well i never heard of this before let me determine if we can do something and let's do some trial and error and i mean that's that's how it works mm-hmm. um but anything in particular well of course i mean with integrations just that when you work with this you can absolutely delete the whole crm and uh, you know be really shaky that evening and trying to get everything back with backups and stuff so yeah of mm-hmm. course we have done some some crazy stuff me as well yeah You do have deleted a full CRM. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) It's not the best sales pitch for me, but usually, you know, (laughs) we're trying to mitigate that risk. Uh, Mm. I would say this is from my early days when, you know, you wouldn't even connect your CRM to marketing. So you're just like, oh, there's there's a connect button. Let's click it and see what Mm. happens. And then Mm. that happens. Usually. (laughs) Okay. We live and we learn, right? Absolutely. So uh, jumping uh, straight into today's subject, uh, we had a very short and sweet uh, talk before about this episode, what we're going to niche it into and talk about. And yeah. I'm uh, very curious from your, your point of view, being the CTO at one of the biggest uh, HubSpot agencies globally uh, and seeing the trends within digitization. So when, when I asked you about this, Uh, what was the instant thought you had if we look at trends and digitization on the Nordic market? I mean, it's a really good question. And I know that we spoke beforehand. And as always, I just improvise everything. But at the same time, I have probably have it in my head. Um, I would say like the general trend, and that has kind of been going on for a while, but now we can see the effect of it, is that I mean, the digitalization has been going on for a while and people have been, t- have been talking about it since, you know, early, you know, 2001 something. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I can see is that a lot of companies has really, you know, tried to move into a digital area where they just have acquired multiple SaaS services and they mm-hmm. are using one tool for a certain thing and another tool for another thing, whatever. So they are kind of digital, but they don't have anything connected. They don't have any scalable solution at all. And I mean, this problem occurs today as well. That, that I, I would say that's one of the biggest hurdles that we work with is that you mm-hmm. want to be, as a customer, you want to quick and easy, you know, get everything up and running uh, and you kind of forget to build that foundation. And I think mm-hmm. um, we, we see the result of uh, an unconnected SaaS environment today that we need to, you know, sort out. And I'm ha- happy to do it, of course. That's what mm. drives business for us. But at the same time, we still struggle of getting that across because it's, it's a boring cost. When you when you try to, you know, acquire and do this digitalization journey, mm. it's, it's always like, oh, I want this feature. I want to do this thing. Maybe tomorrow I can start sending automated emails. And I'm like, yeah, that's the end goal. But mm. in order to do that in a good way, we need to invest money and time in something as boring as a foundation. I actually thought about this yesterday, you know, because uh, I'm renovating my home for some reason. I don't have time, but I do it. And I just figured, you know, it's kind of similar uh, because you just want it to be finished. You just want to see that top layer of that coating and that nice color and all the furniture in its place. But mm. if I were to, you know, 
you start painting the walls. I would see cracks coming out and it's like, okay, damn, I forgot to make this a smooth surface. And maybe, you know, when, when you start to outgrow that room, you realize that, okay, shit, I have five more rooms and I haven't even thought about how to connect them to, <laughs> they look like crap from here. It, mm. It's not, of course, a one-to-one comparison. No, but, but feels similar. Like, yeah, and this is also one thing that is similar is that it's expensive as shit. So you need, <laughs> yeah. I mean, time it, assuming. it's bummer. Don't forget yeah, time, yeah, assuming. time assuming. Yeah, and it, exactly. So I would say that is... I don't know if that's a trend or not, but that is the major, that's the major fuck up of the, you know, all the companies in the world, uh, I would mm. say. But if yeah. we stay there a little bit, uh, I yeah. thought from, because uh, as a SaaS provider supplier, as as we are at Velox, uh, I find that the demands from the customers has be, have been much more clear in that they ask is this integratable to this uh, who are responsible who is responsible for the integration will do will you do it will you ensure that it works together i mean the demands it's much more uh, i don't really know how to say it but like knowledgeable it's like they know more today than just five or ten years ago but uh, the sense that you are talking about is that the, the customers has bought all these SaaS solutions uh, and it's tricky for them to get them together. So my question is, uh, who is responsible? Is it us, the SaaS providers and suppliers, or is it the customers that has to ensure that the system actually do work together? Once again, a good question. I, I would say that, I mean, uh, it's it's both our problems, both us, I mean, mm. us and, and the clients, because I, I also see that there's an increase in knowledge and kind of what you want to attain doing certain stuff. I think that I mean, as a SaaS service, I am I'm not working for HubSpot. I'm not obliged to say that they're you know glorious and perfect, but I am specialized in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, there we talk about this 360 view. But at the same time, I mean, HubSpot is selling a system, and if you want to say like I just want this part of the system as a mm-hmm. sales rep on HubSpot, you you're going to say. Well, that's good for me because my budget needs that. Uh, and the same thing probably goes to other SaaS companies. You want to sell your service, but you know you leave it to the customer uh, to have that you know integration thoughts. And I mean that is also I, we, we talked about this and, and connected to that as well. I would say like the biggest problem you mentioned something that I'm not hundred percent you know following you there. Uh, I see that there are a lot of companies say like we need to integrate because that word is like in marketing was uh, five mm. years ago. It's just like integrate. It's mm. more like why and how. Mm. What do you want to achieve? Because usually mm. they come to us and say like we have this ERP. We want to connect it to HubSpot. How much does it cost? It's just mm. like <laughs> we, do you want us to rebuild an ERP platform or do you just want the first name to be synchronized? Because mm. that is going to be from five hours to 2,000 hours spent on that. So <laughs> yeah. I think like, what is the name? I'm going to say this in in, uh, in Swedish. Krav Spes. Uh, that is kind of something that we need to educate people in marketing and sales about. IT mm. people know it, but IT people usually get involved too late. And yes, maybe to I'm translate to, to, to have a clear blueprint of what do we want to do? What do we want to achieve? Because that I feel is spot on. They often ask the question, the, the trending question, is it integrated or how do we integrate? Uh, and, and our question is always, what do you want to achieve? Or I guess you want to achieve this or, yeah. so maybe if we should, try to <laughs> educate the poor listeners to this episode maybe feel that we are yeah. talking about something too simple that is to yeah. 
uh, ensure that you look uh, into your system what do you want to achieve with them and after that yeah. give your blueprint of how it should be connected to one another maybe yeah exactly and i think also mm. there's i mean if you're working uh, as a sales manager or a cmo whatever it might feel you know a little bit scary to talk about technical requirements because if i tell ask you the question what do you want it to do they immediately start thinking well i don't know the api endpoints i don't know how to to put these kind of requirements but i would say if you if you can just tell me from like a human mm. perspective what yeah. you want to achieve it's like mm. if you can write me a story well i work as a sales rep and when i do this i want this to happen in the other system and I also want to see this, whatever. I mean, that helps us tremendously. You don't need yeah. to map data because that's something, I mean, that's the next step. But you mm. say like, what do I want to achieve as a mm. human, not as an <laughs> IT person? Mm. I mean, that question, just kind of don't make it too dramatic. That helps us tremendously. I agree. Okay. If I were to call that trend number one, <laughs> do we have other trends that you see within the Nordic landscape and digitalization that has come on to you? I mean, lately or the late the years? Yeah. No, no, no. But absolutely. Uh, I have, I would say I have two more trends in my pocket. So let's, you know, start with one of them. Mm. Uh, and that would be, I mean, connected to HubSpot because I mean, usually when you work with marketing sales, whatever, or tech, uh, that is, you know, one part of this is more like a methodology. Like how do we work? How do our organization work? But on the other end, and that's where we kind of rely on HubSpot, it's like, what kind of platform do I have to help me do those things? And the reason I'm talking about HubSpot today is because I know it. You can probably achieve same things with, I don't know, choose Salesforce or whatever software you, you prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is that we can see a lot more B2C companies are moving into uh, HubSpot as more of a triggering engine rather than what we call usually as lead nurturing lead scoring you know these long sales cycles we Mm. start seeing e-commerce we start seeing i mean you as a SaaS provider you might want to have like okay when when people purchase our SaaS product we want to have a guided onboarding and based Mm. on how they actually you know behave on that guided onboarding we want to trigger certain notifications in-app notifications or you know text messages whatever and just, you know, help them where they are, not saying wait two days and then send this email. If they click wait five more days, not that, more like mm-hmm. immediate. Okay, you haven't been using the Uber app for 10 days, but we know that you usually take this journey. Well, let's give you a notification that you have 20% off. And that kind mm-hmm. of stuff never happened five years ago, at least with, with HubSpot. But today we see it like that's the engine uh, and yeah, a lot more B2C companies are coming into to this uh, journey. And it's fun. I like it. Just yesterday, I got an SMS because I'm working remote. Uh, so I'm not in Sweden oh. when we are recording this. And I had an SMS from uh, Ica, a typical food store in Sweden. It says, uh, hi, hi. Uh, here you have 20% discount for your next uh, big buy or something like that. And I was like, yeah. yes, this is because they see a pattern in my behavior that is not what they usually see. So that's why they probably triggered something that you exactly what you just described very yeah. very funny that they just got it and do you see this applicable also for the b2b selling companies or the same mindset applicable 
uh, within B2B? Or is that something for the future, maybe? No, but I would say B2B. When I said B2C, I would say B2C, more like e-commerce. And for B2B, maybe SaaS solutions. If you're you know, selling a tractor or whatever, mm. we might not see that kind of need to have that instant feedback. We don't have an app that we need to fetch that to. I think that you can probably use some of that functionality um is it the best fit well maybe not maybe it's more of a nurturing strategy that you should use your system for for a classic b2b long sales cycles thing but i mean yeah ek is a good example but mm-hmm. that's yeah i mean another one to send a text message to a swedish person that is a big no-no in general <laughs> i mean we in in the nordic overall you don't send text messages unless the person has really said, like, I want to receive text messages, because for us, that's very private. In mm-hmm. the US, for example, work with a lot of US companies, it's just like bread and butter to send text messages. But if I receive mm-hmm. one, I would just, well, you're in my pocket, and I don't like that. So um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that, true. That, that, that's that's true. That is thing, interesting how, how, how it's, uh, that it's that different in the US, because I also feel every time I feel, Uh, where I receive an SMS is like, then you're personal with me. But on the other hand, uh, to text me is the definite easiest way to get in contact with me. So if anyone wants to ask me, like, Wilma, how do I reach you? It's like, send them text. (laughs) So Yeah, yeah, 100%. But that's probably with a human uh, that you're talking to. And that's that's totally fine from a a cultural perspective, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah, we see a huge, I mean, change there. And I also think, I mean, related to both our trends and actually the Mm -hmm. industry or your company, um, I would also see, like, if we're looking at HubSpot, people came to us, you know, let's say just two years ago and said, we want a 360 solution. And I said, well, we got a good start using HubSpot. But then they start, you know, saying like, okay, but we have this really complex quotation situation. And I feel like you also, as much as I tell you that you shouldn't have a scattered kind of tech stack, you also need to show respect of, you know, thinking like, how can I use this system in the best way? And HubSpot won't be able to give you the best quotation tool. You simply won't. And that's why you, you know, maybe connected to your platform. And that's also why, you know, we got in contact in the first place, because my feeling was that you acknowledge this like you have your own system but you also understand that it needs to talk to another system and you were Mm. very open to discussing how should you know a general uh, integration work what kind of things are important for a hubspot user you know from your end i know from a hubspot point of view and Mm, just to have that mindset to you know we sell this service as a, a layer in your tech stack but we're very open to connecting it to make it seamless. And I think that's also how I, I choose my partners because I'm very restricted of people reaching out and say, you want to partner with us, you want to do whatever. Um, if I see that kind of, you know, uh, we want to do it, can you help us connect that? What is important here? That, of course, makes me much more positive. And I think that's why we're also going to continue working with each other uh, based on that. So it's it's small things, but that means a lot when you're connecting your tech stack. Makes, of course, us, me and yes, us now very I happy sold, to hear. Sold your service as well. Here, yeah. so, <laughs> Boom. Well, thanks for that. But yeah, I agree. And actually, we had, um, we're lucky to uh, bring our COO uh, on our journey last summer. 
And he has worked in much bigger companies than any one other of the founders has before. I mean, we are still a small company. And he said, I was like, I was like, from my point of view, we are not really a SaaS provider. And I was like, yeah, we're we are building a SaaS company. Very important to me. No consultancy firm here or not. And he was like, yeah, but the thing you are doing is that you're advising them on which CRM to choose. You're advising them on how the integration should work. You are, and, and on and on. And I was like, yes, the value we bring might be quality quotes quickly and that the end customer receive a nice looking very clear correct quote quickly but the value we bring to our customers isn't really that and now it's I mean now it's so much bragging so everyone listening to this can just mute or listen to the birds or your children whatever scroll your email but it's funny to hear that comes from a partner perspective too I mean, you said you had another trend, but also uh, what you ought the customer, what they should ask about, how they should uh, put on demands on suppliers or consultancy firms. Maybe they go hand in hand or they're totally different, one trend and, and the customer point of view. Oh, but it's, it's once again a good question. Um, I would say in general, like... Because we we team up with a lot of partners. Uh, we just happen to be like a full service agency that handles pretty much everything, uh, but except PR. But at the same time, we know that companies might have a lot of other partners when they come to us, which is totally fine. And I think that, that that's more of a problem, or maybe it's both the problem of the requirements set by the company, but also the other partners to actually collaborate. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, we don't get any traction. If you have an SEO agency doing one thing and you have like a a content agency doing another thing and we don't talk and we don't have these joint meetings, uh, that's not going to work out good. So I would say like, we're not here to steal everybody's job. Well, maybe a little bit, but not all of the jobs. Uh, I think (laughs) like collaboration uh, is Mm. key when you're looking Mm. at different suppliers and really get everybody in the same room because I, I, it almost never happens. It's like five maybe five customers of ours are actually inviting us to the same room to discuss kind of all the strategies, whether it's, you mm. know, support agents or if it's CRM or, or marketing, mm. uh, but just get everybody in the same room and get aligned. Um, mm. Don't know if that was the answer to your question, but I would say from a partner and relationship point of view, that is very important. I would say uh, that that have- is a very relevant trend if you will to succeed with your tech stack uh, to invite all the partners or suppliers whatever you call them to one room and would you say that those five clients of yours are they I mean in a specific company size or do they just have um, I don't know more resources or do they have understood the possibility for digitization more is there something they have in common you would say no, I wouldn't say that they have anything in common, actually. It's more mm. like the legacy that we come into. If you mm. have a legacy of working with and you become, you know, the best partners is, of course, the one that you feel are your colleagues that you feel mm. you can call and, and, you know, just feel like an, an extra part of your own team. And I totally respect that when we come to a company and they say like, well, I kn- know these people since year before they know our uh, business and industry inside out. Uh, so, no, I wouldn't say it's more related to a personal matter, you know, what kind of preference they have or what kind of legacy they have. Mm. Uh, I don't see any any common things around these companies, no. In general, maybe a little bit bigger companies, but we're also targeting kind of mid-sized enterprise companies. And it's not super often that you come to a company that have no partners at all. Uh, that would be weird, but yeah. 
would be rare, yes. Uh, okay, and if you were to say this is where companies typically go wrong, where do they go wrong in the journey of digitization? Uh, I think that I need to, you know, go back to the first one. I, that that is the major issue, and that is not, you know, um, understanding kind of the the of doing things correctly and doing things that you can actually stand even five years from now to feel like, okay, we can only, you know, put on new stuff and make it better. Um, but that means, you know, the kind of the initial investment, I would say that it's, it's a matter of budget. It's a matter of, you know, hours spent from their end, from our end. Mm-hmm. It is a boring number, but I mean, I can see every company that really understands this and really invests in the beginning, they become mm-hmm. successful. I mean, mm. it, every time it never, you know, we mm. they never screw up, which means that they also can be more self-reliant. They don't need to call us for everything that they need to do. It's just like, mm. you know, can you update this button? No, we don't want to do that kind of stuff. You should be able to manage your own stuff. But that mm. also means that you need to put out the structure. And we, I mean, I'm happy to help with that. Um, so, yeah, that is that is the biggest, biggest issue, because if you don't do that, that's also as clear. People who try to stress this and feel like, no, we just want to have the bare minimum just to get us started. They Mm. always come back. One or two years later, they come back and say, our systems are a shit show. Can you help us? And I will say, yes, I can help you. But it's going to be even more expensive now because we need to also clean up the mess. So Mm. that is uh, the kind of, you think that you're doing a wise decision, but you're not. And we are, I mean, I have respect for, you know, people don't have all the budget, um, but at the same time, you it will be cost efficient in the end. Um, mm. Absolutely, that to to get a you know a good implementation of whatever tool you choose. If it's your SaaS, if it's you know HubSpot, if it's whatever tool, get mm. that supported correctly uh, mm. with an holistic view and not only that tool. Try to look at it as a landscape and as a you know everything connected. Maybe this is a bit of topic, but. Uh, is there anything else you would like to share of your experience to succeed with an implementation of whatever kind of tech stack? Uh, to involve the right people. Um, that's also something that I can see changing. I mean, previously, we kind of the only point of contact that we had in regards to sale was the CMO. Because mm. They were usually one most, you know, on their toes to say like, okay, we need a new marketing system whatever mm. uh, now we see a huge increase i mean the last years in sales managers rather taking the initiative uh, which is good and mm. i mean if we're looking today i see more it people being involved early which is also super good because everybody's got to got to have their fingers in this so mm. i would just say get the right people initially don't you know leave them out of this discussion because the, it will impact whole business uh, mm. and not just a specific area so mm. absolutely and I mean, people are just more keen to using the, the systems and software if they feel like they're, they're a part of it and have been able to, you know, actually changing the outcome and saying like, mm. this is important for us, whatever. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Nice. Um, did we have a third trend or did I miss it because I was talking about something irrelevant <laughs> in between no, trend we, two we, and we the future? No, but that's, I don't know if that's a trend or if it's just me, you know, I'm not going to talk shit, but it is, uh, I would say the thing that has shocked me most <laughs> since all my year working with this is like the bigger company you are, the less 
I mean control you have over your business. Uh, I meet people on really big enterprise companies and I get shocked that, you know, the way they handle stuff, they can still use mm. spreadsheets. They're a company of mm. like 2,000 employees and it can be spreadsheets, but kind Tell of respect about it. Because, yeah, yeah. But, but at the same time, I kind of understand this. It's easy for me to say like, just fix it, just do it. But that's a bigger journey because to get 2,000 people to be, get, you know, accustomed to a new system or new systems, uh, mm. that is harder than getting five people doing it. But I would still say, like, more people should start now to do that, to actually investigate how do we create this, uh, once again, scalable uh, scalable software tech stack. Um, mm. So th- that's not a, tr- I mean, is it a trend? No, it's more like something that I think about all the time, that like the bigger <laughs> company that I'm, the more shocked I'm going to like how they handle a frustration it. might be a frustration uh might be a frustration but probably also frustration for the people i mean on the customer side or the client mm. side uh mm. so as i said respect but I, i would really see you know let's change that definitely okay i feel that we have talked a bit about trends and also giving them extra advice for example how to successfully implement a good tech stack uh, is there something Uh, going on at HubSpot that you feel is very interesting or something new or something that you want to share with us that could be relevant? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say, I mean, like first, the people who haven't used HubSpot before, I can just give you some sort of, you know, brief overview. What are we even talking about? I mean, a lot of people think that HubSpot is just the marketing engine. You use it for marketing automation. That's an old legacy. And that's actually how they started. So it it makes sense. But a lot has happened, of course, over the years. And Mm. uh, today, HubSpot is, you know, consists of five different hubs. And they have a really, you know, unique uh, purpose, of course. And just quickly, we have the marketing hub that is, Features for a CMO or for people working in marketing that can be everything from ads to connecting your social, uh, you know, social accounts or handling your email sendouts. Mm-hmm. We have the sales hub, which is more, you know, you use it for, I mean, of course, forecasting and looking at your numbers and and as a managers to follow up like on activities and also to automate your processes. And that would be the sales hub. Then we have the service hub, and that is, you know, kind of, it's not super new, uh, but it, it's absolutely contesting the regular, you know, you're used to maybe using intercom, you're using Sendesk, you're using other ticketing system. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we're talking about the 360 view, people want to move that into a ticketing system HubSpot. So, yeah. So these kind of hubs, they are very niched at a certain role in a company. Yeah. But then you have two wild cards. And I mean, one wild card, it's not even a wild card, but that's a CMS hub. And that's, you know, where you build your website. So if you're on WordPress or Drupal or whatever, uh, and you're, you're using HubSpot, that is kind of a brain fart. You should probably just build your website inside HubSpot because you will have the same functionality. But, you know, let's say that we get somebody from Ica that you mentioned, like the big mm. retail or food store. Uh, mm know that they come from Ica, which means that our customer cases on our website should reflect shopping, you know, malls or whatever, rather than the airline industry. So we can just, just have a smart website powered by CRM. Mm-hmm. Then the final hub that is called operations hub. And that is, you know, my go-to place. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we use previous hubs, you're always limited to kind of what the UI tells you to use. So let's say that we create a marketing automation flow. We say, If you're a part of the list, high intent customers, send this email. After that, update this property to marketing qualified lead. You can set, you know, all these kind of different things in the in the workflow. 
Uh, and of course, sometimes you feel like, but shouldn't I be able to trigger something in another system? Or shouldn't I be able to trigger A or B or C, you know, whatever. And Operations Hub actually provides you with the same kind of branching logic, like if they're a part of this list or if they click that, whatever. Instead of saying, update a property or send an email, you can say, trigger this JavaScript. And mm-hmm. for people who aren't, you know, maybe that technical, it just means that you can do whatever you want. So the limitations that we had before was just like, you know, connected to the UI. But if I want to, you know, ping like the local post office to send uh, a greeting card to somebody, yeah. just an external system, I don't yeah. know why, then I can just trigger that script to when something happened, do that call, and it will just be handled inside the logic of, of HubSpot, which means, of course, you need a developer to write the script, but mm. how it should be triggered and that kind of stuff can be managed by a non-technical person. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, you know, that's the most fun. We have other features in Operations Hub as well, but I would say that's the most uh, life-changing for me because now mm. I can say everything is possible uh, because right. it's just a matter of what it do. we can trigger it. So, mm. yeah, maybe a long talk about that, but I would say, like, that is cool. golden. That's, mm. that's also absolutely how we communicate with this B2C and maybe e-commerce trigger SaaS companies. We often use the Operations Hub. Connecting mm-hmm. the dots. Yeah. Yeah, really. And also coming back to the importance of building integrations between systems and uh, how you could do it in an easy way, yeah. it sounds like. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to recap because, I mean, we've been, we've been talking a lot of, uh, you know, not mambo jambo maybe, but, but a lot of stuff. But, you know, to actually help the listeners to do something, you know, good. So, I mean, I, I will represent the CTO role here. Of course, you can listen to another podcast with you uh, around other topics. But when you're looking into connecting your tech stack, I mean, just as we said, get get out of all the drama. Just, you know, tell me what do you want to achieve? How do you want to do it? Just make it out in the story or words. Mm. That, that's kind of step one. Step number two is that it's always good to have some sort of RFI or RFP, you know, to actually have a spreadsheet to determine and talk internally and say, like, these features, we need to have those features. Because to have that document, it's good for you as a, as a customer, because then you know what you want and you know how to, you know, um, compare different systems. But it also helps us very much to see like, okay, we see that you want this, this is a must have, and this is a nice to have. And then we can start using our, you know, professional skills to say like, then we need to connect A to B, then we mm-hmm. need that. And maybe you haven't even thought about it, but maybe we should connect this as well. So I think that a lot of smaller companies just feel like, they usually send me an email and say, like, can you send an example of how an RFI look like? How do we create that? So I, I see that there's uh, not super much maturity in that area. It's not that complex. Just create a spreadsheet, write down, want to report on amount of first meetings with customers. Very important. Check. Do the next one. And if we have that list, I mean, the best ever. That uh, plus the you know use case and you describe that i mean we're in a golden scenario uh that just happened like 10 percent of the times when i talk to customers so that's my recommendations for the listeners absolutely yeah uh, since this is a yeah podcast show uh the, uh the audience can't see me smiling and nodding but yes it doesn't have to be more complex than that no one uh, expects anyone to uh, to, to write it more detailed. It's like you said, from a human perspective, what do we want to achieve? So I think that is a great advice. And hopefully 
uh, it's usable for a lot of people out there, especially maybe CTOs, similar roles, trying to get some kind of uh, uh, RFP from the rest of organization. Just start with that. Yeah. Great. And I think it will help in the boardroom as well, because if you have, you know, like this is what we want to achieve and you start to investigate different solutions to actually do that, instead of getting lost in super cool features, like I come from HubSpot and I say, we have this cool feature, you haven't even thought about it. Mm-hmm. Another company says we have this feature and you start comparing, you know, not apples to apples anymore. If you have that, you can say like, okay, these systems are actually providing what we want to do, which makes mm-hmm. it, of course, easier to argue internally to say like, we we actually thought this through. We're just not jumping on a silly trend. Uh, this is what we want for our company to grow. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And just a final thing there connected to that. I don't think that people understand that the, um, you know, what you choose for a solution as, you know, the, as your tech stack will 100% impact your whole business and your company. Sometimes, you know, a board might say like, no, but this is for marketing people. This is for salespeople. It's just like, no, this is going to be like make it or break it in your company. Because if you don't do it, you will probably be out of business in two years. Uh, So I also think like we need to understand that this is how we do it. Uh, And it's important for the business, not just specific role. I have uh, a question actually regarding boards uh, and system because uh, Jeanette Antila, she is a professional board member and also investor in Summa Equity. Uh, Her episode was released just before Christmas and she gave the advice with bunny ears around it to CRM system to have board ready reporting because she said that she wants to see the the reporting in the board meetings live from the CRM because then you know that they are used, uh, that you fill in it with relevant data and that it's not the spreadsheet somewhere else, that it's actually driven by processes and the system. So she yeah. asked for <laughs> she asked for uh, board-ready reports. Uh, what's your take on that? Uh, it feels super relevant and something that everybody should have. Uh, we do it all the time. There are, you know, multiple ways of doing that. Uh, I usually say like the reports are the end goal of a whole implementation. You usually say like, we want to measure this. We want to measure that. But if you don't, you know, have the right data, you still want to be able to trust it. So it's like the end goal is to have good reports. And of course, just as a sales manager or a content producer want to understand what content is really driving business, uh, you probably have KPIs that are really important for the board. So Either you get, because everybody can, if we're talking about HubSpot, can get free access to, you know, looking at, you don't need to pay for a board member to, to access HubSpot. But there's also, you know, you can create recurring sendouts of a specific report on a specific date, which means that it's up to up to date. And mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, I totally agree. We do it in our board meetings as well. We have mm-hmm. these KPIs that are following. It's not the same as anybody else, but we have a locked report that is only visible for the team in the board uh, that mm-hmm. we look at. So, I mean, that is just... Yeah, everybody should do it. And I mean, speaking of reports, that's an also good homework. I think that you usually want to report on stuff. And I think the one thing that you can really benefit from is understanding how the reporting tools works. No matter what system you have, we usually get a lot of questions like, oh, but can we report on this? It's just like, yeah, if you just look into how the logic works of the reporting system, and you get accustomed to that, you can create whatever you want. And I think that people 
doesn't matter what role you have, you should spend more time and, and understand how a Y and X axis work. And, you mm-hmm. know, just really trying to connect the dots because, you know, the reports are what you will take actions on. That's where you will take your business decisions based on. So uh, understand how they work. Wonderful. So many good things here. And when you would like to get inspired yourself about trends or technical trends, maybe, uh, what? where do you look at? Do you follow someone special? Do you read a book? I guess not. But how do you get inspired? Uh, no, I really just get inspired by our customers. I mean, 100%. I don't consume anything that isn't, <laughs> how can I say, like relevant to my job. I would say the questions that we get are sometimes are so crazy or maybe stupid or super good. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning of this call, maybe that, you know, it's not that I have my file that I can open and say, this is the solution that we're going to give to you. So usually it just comes up the question that's just like, well, I never thought about that. I never tested that before. And then I, you know, start talking with my developers, my HubSpot specialists, everybody who's involved and everybody mm. just start thinking. I think that's how we grow. Uh, we just take these crazy questions. And I mean, based on that single question, we can look into so much documentation and so much, you know, trial and error and fuck up, of course, but in a sandbox environment, mm-hmm. we just try that out. So I would say like the inspiration and the, I mean, the urge to be better all the time, that comes 100% from, from the questions that my customers ask me. My name is Mika Rubenovic. I'm from Finland and my company is Imperial Sales. I'm doing sales coaching and my question is to you, how do you prepare yourself to a meeting that you have agreed and you will have it in one week's time? What do you do before you meet the client? Just to give you a little bit of help. We were talking about sales psychology. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and this, this is so fun because I'm going to burn all my bridges here. I'm very well known in this uh, office that I do not prepare for anything because I feel I should not even attend the meeting if I don't have the answers to the questions. So I rather, you know, if I don't have the answers to the questions, I wouldn't be in my role. That's at least how I look at myself. Like I should know this beforehand. So I'm not working in, you know, sales processes in that way. So if you were to ask my colleagues, they are very good and drilled and have a really good structure on that. But if you're asking me and you're doing that, I would say like the preparation is of course, understand the expectations. That's like, the, that's the best part of everything. And that doesn't, need to be a week in advance that can be in the actual meeting like what are you hoping to achieve with this thing when we leave this what do you want to understand or what do you want to know i think that question is missing a lot of times and you start talking and you have kind of no end goal or like what's the next step so from my perspective of course read about you know the company that i'm meeting read about all the questions that they have probably an rfi you know that we talked about this that i have some documentation to prepare Uh, but other than that, just you know, to try to understand in the situation, depending on who's who's there, and and ask like, what do you in your role expect from this? Maybe not the best answer, but that's how I roll. Uh, so <laughs> take it or leave it. I love the CTO perspective, and that's why I chose you to have this question. Maybe I will give it to someone else too. But um, I think it says a lot that you wouldn't attend the meeting if you couldn't answer the question. I mean, 
we only see there a lot of preparation going on. So, well, yeah. thank you so much for answering. And I will connect you to Mikael Ruba. And you can follow up the dialogue if you want. And he, or he can, of course. Yeah. He can probably <laughs> teach me one thing or another. Absolutely. Yeah. He's a very interesting character. I recommend everyone to follow him that works within sales. And yeah. uh, maybe the last tricky question would be, uh, what are your main challenges in your business at the moment? I mean, at the moment, we're impacted like the rest of the world by the the economy, of course. Uh, I wouldn't mm. say we have very good financials here, which is good. We know that we can we can grow without, you know, actually growing. So we don't need to lay people off. And I'm super happy about that to keep my colleagues. Uh, but of course, that impacts the, the whole business and people are a little bit more reluctant to, to you know, committing to, uh, to things. Uh, they want to do it more like let's test this one and let's let's evaluate uh, over time. So, but I mean, we're not the only ones in these positions. So I would say like that is of course something that's happening right now. Another uh, challenge that I think that all consultants are also battling is, uh, I mean, what we do is that we, we, our salaries are paid because we do work for our customers, which means that we have so much to to talk about you know ourselves and to actually say like we're providing this service but we don't you know prioritize to do our own homework i mean from from an invoice perspective i think that is also something for all consultants like you do a really great job with all the customers they get so much result uh but you know if somebody were to come to me and say like should i prioritize our customers or the specific you know customer case with this integration that you want me to do i'm going to say screw that integration let's do something good for the customer and mm-hmm. i mean short term it's it it works but it's also you know that's a struggle as a business kind of owner or at least a partner of this company to get people you know to use that spare time that everybody has because we have a lot of specialists they're not sitting from you know seven to four every day Uh, Mm -hmm. so how can we use that knowledge uh, in a smart way even though it's fragmented into little you know bits so yeah it's more Mm -hmm. like selling selling ourselves that's one issue uh, and the other one is the economy Uh, but I wouldn't we don't have any issues I mean we just (laughs) hang out and have this you know blend logger at a weekend and we just code something and hack something and it's just at seven in the morning i thought that was a little bit early but okay (laughs) well no 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 yeah exactly seven to four wow no 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 i mean on a saturday that's okay yeah (laughs) that's great uh well thank you so much and i guess that uh, linkedin is the way to get in contact you or do one send an email or text Maybe that's too personal. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Everybody who listens to this can send me a text. Absolutely. Uh, but also, of course, LinkedIn. And it's Frederick Landstrom. Uh, I mean, CTO at Invice. You should probably find it there. So uh, happy to talk Would to you and, and help sort out your business. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, I'm uh, more than thrilled. I'm very happy with this episode. Uh, it was great having you here. And I'm sure that you have someone else you want me to invite to fail and grow talking to something opex related maybe someone you want to listen to yourself uh preferably outside of sweden maybe someone you think that i don't know about yet would be awesome okay so i would say one of the people or actually the team that i look up to it's also hubspot related in Mm -hmm. some way but there's a, a company called aptitude 8 in the u.s 
Mm-hmm. And they have two people, their CTO, and I don't know what the title of the other person is. They really like 8-bit, you know, old Super Nintendo games and everything about them is just like crazy stuff. They brand everything like that. But they must be one of the smartest people out there. Um, I mean, to be creative when it comes to technical solutions. So not just, you know, we're going to integrate this, but just, you know, finding something that the common sales rep wants and just creating a solution and just, you know, selling it as a volume thing. Um, really fun people. So, I mean, I would listen to that 100% because I like them uh, so much. Absolute inspiration. Great. Uh, if you know yeah. them well enough, please connect us. That would be really helpful. I can do that. Thank you so much. And now, so uh, when you have that, uh, did you call it brand lager in your yeah, hand? No, it's like a blend lager. Blend I would say lager. it's like sorry. No, okay. just the worst lager there are. Uh, there, there is. So <laughs> okay. it's a bad lager. That's all. Yeah. A bad cheap lager in your hand, and this song comes up, and you feel like yes, this week is so good. Uh, what are we listening to? Oh shit! The, I thought about this this week, and I just realized like the 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 best. I, I I'm a singer myself, actually. I, I wow. sing soul music for some reason, which is a kind of a thing that I don't talk about too much. Cool. Uh, my go-to guy is of course Sam Cooke, but Sam Cooke I've been listening to. I mean, thousands of songs over and over for years. So I just you know really looking into the Swedish singers, and I would say like the female singers are really taking over. And I mean, I'm, I would say like Daniela Ratana, uh, her album is the craziest thing ever. I think it's called Ratana Club. It doesn't matter what song I choose. It's just like, she's golden. So yeah, the, I would just listen to that uh, album over and over again. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining and sharing your expertise. And always great to meet you, Fredrik. I get so energized and happy afterwards. Thank you so much. A pleasure being here. Uh,